Hello, and welcome to the Verizon Harvest podcast. My name is Chris Gerling. I'm a senior extension associate at Cornell Agritech in Geneva, New York. And we are joined by Jerry Barnhart of Victory View Vineyards, Matt Speccarelli of Fjord and Ben Marl Vineyards, and Jeremy Schuster of the Eastern New York Commercial Horticulture Program. Welcome, everyone. Glad to have you here. And if you could just give a brief introduction of who you are and where you're from beyond what I just said. So, Jerry, if you could just introduce yourself. Sure. I'm Jerry Barnhart. My wife and I own Victory View Vineyard, about 35 miles northeast of Albany in southern Washington County. We grow cold climate grapes and make great wine. Great. Thank you. Matt, would you like to? And my name is Matt Spaccarelli. My partner, Casey Erdman, and I Fjord Vineyards in the Mid-Hudson Valley, where we farm about 40 acres of vinifera hybrids and native grapes as well. And uh, my family also owns Ben Marl Winery, where I'm the winemaker and vineyard manager as well. Perfect. Thank you. We're so glad you could do this. Thank you both for being here today. And so the first question is a general question you can answer any way you want. I guess it doesn't have to be about grapes and wine, but hopefully it will be. Not that I've just led you. But anyway, Jerry, what do you remember most about 2023? from a... Rain. Rain and more rain and cloudy. That's fair enough. Yeah. Matt, do you agree with that or would you do use a different word or? Yeah. I mean, looking historically, it was, it was the longest season we had that, that I can remember. Uh, we had bud break April 14th, April 15th on some varieties. And then in our really cold spots, we were cut short with the May 18th frost. Uh, we got down to 28 degrees. And we had a really, really dry spring, talking April into May, which even on that frost night, we were we were concerned. We didn't we didn't light any straw bales or anything like that because we were afraid of catching everything on fire. <laughs> um, and as Jerry said, after that, yeah, lots of precipitation, um, especially late in the season. I think twelve weeks of having a rainy Saturday or rainy Sunday in a row. And that's not counting the stuff in the middle, you know, and those are the ones you remember because those are the days you're supposed to have your tasting room open and be selling wine to people. And so it was, yeah, uh, cha very challenging. And you, you know, it wasn't only the rain too. It was, we just didn't have any sun. Even when it didn't rain, it was cloudy and tough to get stuff to dry out. Yeah, I think that, one of the things that is somewhat universal, as much as you can say that for rain, which is so microclimate specific, is that there were a lot of rain events. There wasn't necessarily a lot of rain in those rain events, but the way that they worked, it was wet all the time, it felt like. And it sounds like you both are nodding, so you agree with that. And Yeah, the, the canopy, like the wetness hours, was, that was a major issue. But also the ground just never dried out. So on the warm days, you were having that humidity come up off the ground and you just kind of always had this constant pressure. And, you know, we like, we like to think of it being cold and rainy, but it was warm and rainy a lot of the time too, especially late in the season. We had a couple events where I've never seen botrytis blow up like that before, like two, three days where you just had a 55, 60 degree night where everything was wet and it just across the whole block. And yeah, eye-opening. <laughs> Not <laughs> eye -opening. a good way. That's one way to describe it, yeah. It was kind of interesting because 
it was so dry early that I don't think there was a lot of inoculum around. And so we didn't have a lot of disease problems until very late in the season. And unlike Matt, we did not have problems with Botrytis, but boy, we sure did have downy mildew uh, from like mid-September on. Yeah, yeah, we we too started to see it blow up then too. It's kind of almost like a latent infection in the sense of um, almost the exact opposite of 22, where we have kind of a, a wet spring and kind of would have been up the creek a bit if it didn't dry out in the summer. It was a little bit of the opposite. So. Yeah, so there's definitely, it was periods of extreme dry and then periods of extreme wet. And it seemed like there was one of those things where the averages in the end may not be as stunning from a, if you look at a chart or a, or a summary summary figure, but that doesn't really tell the story and it really does, but yeah. Jeremy, I don't know if there's anything you want to add about the region as a whole or? I'll just piggyback on what both Matt and Gary have said that the region as a whole downy was widespread powdery mildew in some cases as well certain vineyards certain cultivars had more issues with botrytis than others i was tracking the season's precipitation uh, when we were doing the version harvest weekly updates and just to remind people that the hudson valley received 34 inches of precipitation from April 1st to, this is week eight. So that was what, late October? And the capital district got about 19 inches of rain. To put in perspectives, I came from Oregon, they get 40 inches of rain in six months over winter. We got that in a shorter period of time. Yeah, Since we had 14 inches. 14 inches of rain here in July, one month. Yeah. And then August was about eight. And it, it was, we'd never seen anything like that before. One thing, I mean, talk on a good note, <laughs> we keep talking about rain and disease pressure. I think the, you know, talking to some other growers here in the Hudson Valley, it was very, very site specific where that May 18th event happened with getting frosted out. I know some folks who have just about the same acreage of Cab Franc as us, and they picked about a ton, and we picked about 31 tons. It, it was just very localized where that, and that just happens to be because none of our Cab Franc vineyards really got hit hard. We have some other stuff where we had 50, 60, 70% loss on some Gamay Noir. And, but the spots that didn't get frosted out, bricks were very low. You know, we were picking in that high 19s, low 20s whether it was Chardonnay, even the hybrids were, were just chasing that 20 bricks margin. Flavors were slightly diluted, but they weren't underripe. So especially, uh, I'm going to use Cab Franc being that cultivar that we look at as like, is it green or is it not green? You know, the Cab Francs didn't have a lot of pyrazines. They didn't they come off as green. They just haven't come off as like really concentrated. And I think that's where a little bit of you know, embracing the vintage comes in, you know, like just let it be a higher acid, bright, light wine year, maybe a little bit more rosé if that's part of your portfolio, you know, that's, you know, tilted that way versus 
kind of chasing something that's not there. But, you know, there's, I, I wouldn't call it a very green year, even though it wasn't a very ripe year, because we did have okay flavor development. I, I agree with that. Now, our, our flavors were actually quite nice. Sugar levels were probably uh, two, three bricks below what we would normally see, but the flavors were fine. So we'll see what the wine's going to be, but I think it's going to be okay. It is going to be lighter, but I think it'll be decent. Yeah, I think that most people, one thing or another universal around the state is that considering all the challenges, and there were so many challenges, people are pleasantly surprised by how everything turned out, I think, in the end. And that's that's really encouraging. Just going back to Jerry, up your way, in terms of winter damage or spring damage, was there much or? So so we had no damage from the, the May frost event, but we did have a lot of winter damage. And I think, you know, up until early February, the winter was so mild, stuff was not really hardened off well. And then I forget the dates, but I think it was the second week of February. We had two nights in a row of 20 below zero, and we had a lot of bud damage, a lot of bud damage. And I have not seen that before, especially with the Minnesota varieties, but it, they got hammered. Jerry, do you spur prune or cane prune or a combination? Or... So we do we do. Sp- Spur pruning on cordons, and we usually renew cordons every other year. Or if we have a good replacement, we do it. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I was just curious. <laughs> oh, yeah. So with the north northern country, and, and you're kind of at the south end of the north country, right? That that those those are temperatures that nobody else saw around the state minus twenty. That's that's extreme and difficult especially depending on the time of year, but then you didn't have the damage in the spring, I guess, which is a a little bit of a trade-off. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we've talked about some of the challenges and, and some of the precipitation, and but what are you looking forward to about the wines here? Are there specific grapes or wines that you're really excited about that came through the season you think particularly well that excite you? Well, our, our, our Petit Pearl did really well. I'm not especially enamored of the wine it makes, but it's a wonderful blender. So we'll use some of that. Our lacrosse is going to be extremely light, but it's, I think, going to be really nice wine. It's going to be very flavorful. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Our newest block of Marquette, which is kind of on the highest part of our vineyard, did really well. And I think it's going to make some really really nice full-bodied red. So I'm looking forward to that. Great. Sound like a few things to look forward to. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I, similar to a vintage variation with Riesling and the Finger Lakes where maybe you're adjusting your sugars a bit based off of the acid levels. And that's kind of been my approach to Chardonnay. Again, not being very dogmatic about the end product, just kind of taking it vintage to vintage is some years it's no malolactic and some years we kind of move the wines a little bit further through or even completely through malolactic and it's just the I find you know the Chardonnay going back to what I was saying before is the flavors are there 
but the asset's really high. And I think just, yeah, it, it, they're starting to move through ML right now. It's, I, I think it's the variety that's shining right now, which I would love to say it's Kev Bronk, but because that's what we have the most plant of. But the, the Shard is really, it, it has some really nice, ripe flavors there that Cab Franc doesn't have for red wine. And then on the Cab Franc side of things, rosés are tasting awesome. They're bright, they're fruity, they're not green, and they're herbaceous. And so they're, I, I think it's the variety to hedge your bets for really ripe beers and underripe beers because you can just do so much with, with those two, uh, whether it's Shard or Cab Franc. Riesling, it's so difficult to grow with the humidity here. You know, for on the Ben Marl side of things, we, we bring in a lot of fruit from our, our own vineyards, but we also bring in fruit from the Finger Lakes and the North Fork. And it was interesting to work with all three regions' fruits this year. And, you know, Long Island, same thing, chasing bricks, but flavors, colors were really nice. on Deep Bordeaux, Malbec was, had like nice typicity to it. And like always, Finger Lakes Riesling is like, Spot on, just high acid, but spot on flavor-wise. So, yeah, but speaking here in, in the Hudson River region, uh, Chardonnay, Cab Franc Rosé, uh, we grow a little bit of Albarino, which is uh, not as cold party as I'd like it to be. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, it, you know we, have, we have a 10-year-old block that, that's producing still pretty well, and um, it's a variety that I think in humid, hot, wet years, um, or even humid, cool, wet years is, is a good option for, it's bulletproof during harvest, which is nice. <laughs> so. I think I tasted that Albarino uh, <clears throat> at your place before, which is that's good. Yeah, cool. So we've talked about grapes, we've talked about things in the, in the vineyard and things. And so what are you gonna miss about 2023. Is there anything you'll miss about 2023 when you go to 2024? I'm going to miss the sunshine. <laughs> or it it was the sunshine, so cloudy, right? yeah. even when it wasn't raining. And, and, and I think this had as big an impact on our fruit quality as the rain did. It just, we didn't have any sun. And it just trying to get fruit flavor development was a really tough job. Uh, I will not miss the rain. Yeah, I mean, for 2023, outside of that May 18th event, it was a very long growing season for 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 us. So the the, the vineyards that scooted by, I mean, and I think it, I'd rather have a. I mean, when you have bud break on April 14th in the Hudson Valley, you're not sleeping too well for you have a good <laughs> month before that. So there's, it, it was it's it's welcomed when you look like. We're not going to do anything about it once those buds are out, right? So it's just like, all right, cool. This could be an amazing situation for us. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. I wish we could know that a, an early bud break would be uh, comforting, but that was a, it. It was very welcome knowing what the end of our season was like. So, Got yeah, it. I don't. I don't think too many people are going to be looking back and saying, "Ooh, 2023," <laughs> as far as like what what you're gonna miss about it but if there is one thing it was like well it was a really long season for a lot of the block so <laughs> right our yields are probably about 40 percent of what we would typically expect and i think that was because of winter bud damage 
that was a challenge. I think the, the, the winter, it was a long season. And I, you know, Matt, I hadn't really thought about it that way with the early bud break and with the relatively late harvest, it's a long season and it's, it's been a long season with, with many challenges. I don't know how the smoke, if you, if you both had the, the days where the sky turned orange and you both did. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. So there was, there was that. And there were a lot of things to, to navigate through that long season and yeah and nobody sleeps well in this part of the world when you have that early bud break because you just know that you have that chance of frost in which some people really got hit by this year and that that was that was a challenge so i guess we've summarized it pretty well i don't know if there's anything else we need to say anything else what won't you miss i i should mention that i was talking to long islanders and they were saying they missed the birds. And what they meant by that is they just didn't see that many birds this year. And they know that birds are a problem and you have to do bird netting and birds can take your crop. But they felt like they saw fewer birds this year because they were speculating about the reasons, but there just weren't as many birds. Is that the same experience that you feel like you had in your part of the world? So our, our bird damage was definitely down this year. And I would be speculating to offer a reason why we did have a fairly decent wild black cherry crop this year. And when that happens, the birds go after them and they stay away from the grapes for a while. We had our laser operating and that seems to be pretty damn effective. So we didn't have a lot of bird damage. Yeah, I would second that. And it was interesting because I'm Hudson Valley native, grew up 15 miles from the farm here. And I've never seen starlings over winter. Um, this is actually the only winter that I can remember never having to shovel snow either. We got down, we got down to depending on the vineyard site, negative four to negative eight. Um, so we we got cold, but we didn't have much precipitation. Twenty twenty two, we lost a good percentage of fruit to not just birds, but just wildlife pressure in general. Skunks raccoons, deer, and uh, this year kind of coming out of the winter and, and seeing the, the, the bird populations, especially the starlings, we netted everything this year and the pressure, I don't want to say it was zero, but it was pretty close to zero. And I would contribute that to, uh, yeah, we had an awesome nut crop this year. We don't have a lot of really big vineyards, like our biggest vineyard is, is eight acres. Um, so we have a lot of headlands and we're surrounded by a lot of a lot of woods, almost all of our blocks. And yeah, we had good acorns. We had good mulberries. Like you said, a really good wild, like choke cherry season. They, they were kind of everywhere. And I don't know if that contributed to the lack of pressure, but I know in 2022, we had no acorn crop. We had no mulberries because we had a drought all summer and there were no choke cherries. And I would just think that's like a calorie crunch when you get to September. For It doesn't matter if you're a bird or a, or a squirrel. At that point, you know, 2022, you saw squirrels stuck in the bird netting in some vineyards because they, you know, they were just looking for calories. And that's, that's anecdotal. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any scientific research behind that, but you look at it long enough and you start to see some trends. Yeah, I've, I've also heard that speculation presented that last year's drought 
there wasn't any wild food sources so the vineyards was the buffet if you want to think of it that way uh, this year with the increased precipitation more wild food source you know there's plenty of different options to eat from so it's not just the one restaurant in town here at the research lab in the in highland hudson valley research lab last year they had a full crop on a friday they come back on monday and even though it was bird netted they had lost everything to bird pressure this year we did a kind of a mix of bird netting reflective tape avian bird distress calls and a laser and we had some bird pressure but not anywhere near levels that we saw last year and i've only heard sporadic reports of vineyards having some significant bird law or feeding pressure either from birds raccoons deer what have you in, in 2022 we had browse lines above or stone netting where it looked like you took the leaf of the deer would just because the vines had so much moisture in it. grass was basically dead <clears throat> so the deer were coming through and just eating the leaves above the bird netting so uh -huh. you had your, your your fruiting zone and then a couple leaves that were tucked under the bird netting and then above that there was a browse line of deer coming through and like and you would notice it in the corners of the vineyard, you know, in the in the northeast corner or the southwest corner, where the deer were kind of coming out and starting to hit hit things up in in the early evening or late mornings. They they would just be browsing the, the grapevines, just looking for some vegetation that actually had some moisture content to it. Yeah. So fewer fewer berries stolen by critters this year, which is a good thing because there were few enough because of various conditions, whether it was the winter or the spring to, to knock things down. There weren't a lot to spare. So uh, any final thoughts, either Jerry or Matt about 2023, anything else you want, you think people should know, or you think that you'll remember, or you think is noteworthy? I think it was the first average year, you know, and based off of many non-normal things that just kind of created something that was like, Oh, this is not here in, in, in the mid Hudson Valley, you know, 18 was a very wet year. 19 and 20 were, I would say, like above average. 21, we had Hurricane Henri, and then a couple rainstorms come through, and then Hurricane Ida. So we got, you know, I think it was close to 18 inches of rain in three weeks, just from like the tail end of erasion to when your early varieties were, were, were done being picked. 2020 was a very dry year. 21, yeah, very wet. And then I feel like, yeah, things kind of just seemed oddly normal. <laughs> you know, just like waiting for things to ripen. And, um, but yeah, the, the one thing I think that is the most concerning about this year is, um, 2023, you know, the, the latest I've ever seen frost was May 1st. That was in 2007, I think, or eight. Then 2020 was May 8th. 2022 was May 18th. It's like a really fast curve, I think. And the curve goes the other way with blood break. Um, basically, it's getting earlier and earlier. So that window of susceptibility is really, really large. But I think that's the thing that's the most concerning 
as, as a great thrower. As a winemaker, so sleepless nights. Yeah, but as a winemaker, if you're just looking at like, well, the possibility of having a longer, better season is great, but you still have to pay the pay bills. <laughs> so. so, kind of picking up on some of Matt's points. Uh, 2020 is kind of our gold standard for a great growing season. It was dry, it was hot, but it was wet enough when we needed moisture and our fruit quality was just through the roof. It was exceptional. The good news about 2023, I guess, is the, the, the late frost means that stuff has hardened off really well. You know, once we harvested and, uh, we still had lots of leaves and lots of photosynthesis going on. So I, I think our vines are going into the winter in really good shape. So I guess we'll look forward to 2024. That sounds like a good way to close this out. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you to Jerry Barnhart of Victory View Vineyards. Thank you to Matt Spaccarelli of Fjord and Ben Marl. And thanks as always to Jeremy Schuster of the Eastern New York Commercial Horticulture Program. E-N-Y-C-H-P. That's what I'm going to say from now on. Yep, just do we, that. We need an acronym. E-N-I-C-P-A. Uh, it's not going to work, but yeah. Don't, don't try to pronounce it. Don't just say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. E-N-Y-C-H-P. All right. Yes. Thanks again for your time. Thanks for being part of this. Best wishes for the wines and for your winter and spring of 2024. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Take care, Chris. Thank you, guys. Matt, pleasure to meet you. Yes, we'll make it up there one day soon. Okay, cool.